0: Welcome to Positive Input, and we are in Madison, Wisconsin still. Uh, we are actually at my folks' house today with my dad, and we are going to be interviewing him today, talking about his life growing up um, in Beloit, Wisconsin, and then transitioning into him starting his own business. Um, and then we'll kind of talk about you know the struggles through that and what he's learned through that. And uh, with that, we'll kind of turn it over to you, Dad. Great. Thanks for having me. Uh, as you said,
1: uh, I was uh, born in Beloit, Wisconsin. Uh, I uh, came from a very, very large family. Um, um, went to uh, Catholic schools. Um, had a good childhood growing up there. Beloit's a really good place to grow up. Um, and then um, uh, after high school, I uh, went off to college and uh, kind of uh, switched schools a few times and had some different jobs. Uh, really, really had a lot of trouble finding what I wanted to do. And so I would kind of go to school for a semester or so, and then, um, then I'd work for another semester. I didn't want to run up a lot of debt while I was uh, trying to figure out what to do. And I think, like a lot of people that age, I, I felt kind of stressed out about that. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people go to go off to school and they, they do their four years and they find themselves a job. But I just wasn't finding, uh, you know, what really interests me. Uh, and going to college. So like I said, I went on and off and I I worked a lot of different jobs. I worked at a, a produce warehouse. Uh, I worked as a, a TA at uh, MATC. Um, uh, a lot of different things. And, uh, and so I had about three years of college complete. And I was uh, 24 and um, and then a friend of mine worked for a, a company in Madison, a printing company. And uh, there was an opening there and I thought, well, I'll, you know, there's another job to take for, you know, I'll work there six or nine months and I will go back to school again. And, and then uh, I, I was hired there and, and it was a very fast growing company. And so um, after I was there about six months, I was promoted to assistant manager where I worked. And then a couple of months later, I, they made me a manager of a new store. And so all of a sudden, uh, uh, like I said, I was uh, 24 years old. I was actually making pretty good money um, and I decided to stick it out for a while. Um, I never went back to school. I really, the opportunity cost of giving up that job would have been too high. And I liked the industry and I was moving up in that company and it uh, uh, turned out to be a wise move on my part. Uh, um, I worked there for about, uh, Oh, nine years. And, and I liked uh, the owner of the company a lot. And him and I got along. We really thought the same way. He was a uh, former IBM salesperson. Mm, okay. And uh, uh, I learned a lot about, you know, it's, it's important to be well-dressed and uh, good-mannered and uh, a lot of good things from him. And uh, I used to say uh, if he were still ran the company, I'd still work there. Unfortunately, he sold out um, to... Uh, a group of people and, and I didn't really get along that well with the, the majority new owner. Wasn't a bad guy, but we just didn't think alike. Yeah. yeah we had different ideas on where the business should go. And so I decided then, um, that I would start my own business. So, uh, um, I, I, I put in my notice and, uh, Uh, they really didn't have any idea what I was going to do (laughs) right yeah Kind of came as a shock well they weren't they did not think I was gonna start a business I think they thought I was done with the printing business and I you know just getting out of something else yeah a month later I opened a new business about a quarter mile from where I used to work (laughs) okay and uh, it took off Uh, a lot of the customers that had the other business came over and uh, it was that, at that time, the printing business was really growing very fast, there's, uh, you know, most businesses didn't have a copier, believe it or not, 1987. Right. So they would go to a place like where we were and use their copiers, and, and uh, um, so it was a lot of traffic, and, um, and it was a good business. Um, but, uh, so I started that with uh, my wife, Liz, and, uh, we had uh, one other employee when we
0: started, and uh, we went from there. That's awesome. What year did you start? Uh, 1987. Okay. What would you say like the biggest challenge of like opening doors was?
1: The biggest challenge really was one was coming up with some funds to uh, purchase the equipment and have enough money to rent a new place. Uh, what I did was uh, I had a fair amount of money in my 401k, and I cashed that in. And I know that you know most people would say that was a no-no, but uh, there here we, we are I, exactly you know <laughs> I, 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 that investment thing paid off well my brother also helped me out with
0: some money and uh so there's a lot of there's a lot of like costs in the front end right exactly. away but then oh, once okay. you had that you were able to
1: absolutely uh we huh. we actually turned turned a profit the second month we were open that's crazy wow. <laughs> so <laughs> that's uh, which that. is pretty unusual that's but
0: pretty, yeah, uh, I mean you knew the business you'd already been in it
1: yeah I knew what to do and uh uh, you know, the customer service aspect, I understood that, and I understood, you know, the technology. And of course, at that time, with only three presses, I, I'm answering the phone, I'm waiting on the customers to come in, and then I'm mm-hmm. going in the back, usually on nights and weekends, running, running the presses. Getting the jobs getting completed. Getting the jobs completed, because we only had three people, and, and uh, yeah. so I had pretty much everything. I probably worked uh, 10 or 12 hours a day, six days a week, for at least three or four years. To get, mm-hmm. things to get things going. get things moving, right. right. And then you're able to hire more people at that point? Exactly. Uh, we probably started hiring people after about uh, six or seven months. Um, and uh, eventually grew to about, uh, over, the, over the 30 years we've been, we grew to about 22 employees. Um, and uh, those early years were tough because we were growing sometimes 30, 40, even 50% a year. Right. And when you're growing like that, it's it's difficult to maintain a cash flow. Yeah. Uh, because you know you you know you have are, to keep investing. Right. You have to keep uh, you have to you know you're you're hiring more people and you're and you're buying more equipment, and uh, it, it's mostly a, a a charge business where you have accounts receivable, so you're not getting paid for thirty or forty days. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, because you're B two B. Right. So the uh, it, it could be difficult to just have cash to pay the bills. Mm. But after we were open a while then and and we were successful the banks were one want to put us on a line of credit building trust right so that we could uh, uh, finance the growth and that was really the, our biggest problem was financing the growth right
0: yeah did you have to live a pretty conservative lifestyle while that that initial startup phase yeah
1: I, yeah I I, uh, I uh, was when I started that business when I came from the other business I was making about uh, a little over 40000 a year in 1987, and I think the next year I, I didn't make any money, and, and the second year I think I paid myself about $12,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, Liz was still working at, at another business, and so she had a regular income, and between the two of us we were able to get by. But we definitely had a few lean years there yeah. where we weren't uh, weren't taking a lot of
0: money out. Right, mm-hmm. just yeah. putting everything yeah. back in, exactly. Help to grow it, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I remember a conversation that you and I had uh, just a one-on-one a while back. That when you uh, left the current business, that the old the business that you used to work at tried to actually sue you for taking yep. their customers. Yes, they did. Uh, uh, I,
1: I had uh, opened uh, um, my business, and then a couple years later, um, the my friend Larry, who was the one who actually got me into the previous company, mm-hmm. he decided to to go out on his own. And so uh, he quit and, and, uh, and announced that he was starting his own business as well, and of which uh, Liz and I were partners. And uh, so they got all worked up and hired a law firm and and, uh, and uh, charged us with uh, conspiracy and uh, uh, violation of non-compete agreements, all kinds of things. And yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I talked to uh, one of my customers, and I, you know, and I asked him what I th- he thought I should do, and he said, "You should hire the most expensive lawyer you can find that has a, a reputation of being a shark," and he says they'll back off, yeah. and that's what I did. Yeah. I went up in town and hired a guy that was at the time he was probably two hundred dollars an hour lawyer, but yeah. everybody else was charged a hundred, right? And um, but he had a reputation of being a wildcat, you know. He, he was not going to back down, and Um, and, uh, so he sent them a letter saying, you know, that, you know, this, 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 and this, and, and, uh, and, uh, that, and since he was just my attorney, that, uh, I should be dropped from the lawsuit. Well, they didn't do that. But, um, when the court date came around, uh, they called my lawyer and said they were dropping all the, uh dropping everything against the lawsuit against me. So I think that hiring that attorney paid off, paid off for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, interesting side note, you know, they were still trying to sue my friend Larry who was starting, you know, another sprint print. And, um, so they, they went to court and it didn't go well for them in court. And so they, they, uh, uh, got a stay for about 30 days or so. And then they went back to court and, uh, and uh, as soon as the judge started, they said that they wanted to withdraw the lawsuit. And and, uh, she said, that's fine. And then she gave, and then she wrote them the scathing thing Mm. about uh, um, frivolous lawsuits and uh, how they should know better. And, and uh, they ended up uh, uh, paying, I think uh, Larry's attorney's fees. Mine were so small because I really only i only had an attorney for a month and i was out yeah, right. uh, but i think they did end up paying larry's attorney's fees because uh wow. the, the court was quite upset with them that's a pretty wild situation yeah, actually yeah it's, to get into it's a weird thing though to get sued have somebody show it up and hand you a subpoena and you open it up and it says you're being charged for all these yeah things, and that's a pretty freaky, freaky moment it. yeah and i was uh probably i
2: was about 33 at the time you know i'm not i had no familiarity with those kind of things right so, right right Seems like they're kind of just like trying to jam gears in your business, especially since you're on a startup and then they want to hit you with a bunch of like lawyer fees. So exactly. Yeah, it's a little bit, a little cutthroat. Well, and, and, uh, yeah, they thought that the, the intimidation factor for us was going to be that we
1: would back down. And, right. And, and that was not the just case. just walk away. No. And then I'm so, yeah. so glad I talked to that customer of mine because, and gave me that I think it was really good advice was just, right. you know, come out swinging essentially right. yeah. let them know that, you know, you're not, i going to back down.
0: Let them know that when you borrow from your 401k, you're probably not going to back down. Yeah, that's,
2: that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. You know, I had a lot at stake. A lot at stake, exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Kind of just shows how, like, you know, especially when you are going to start your own business, you can't let like really any roadblock you know stop. yeah out. that's exactly right because i think you know uh, i think there are people that, uh, that just got got those legal papers
1: and yeah. thought you know i can't give it. up on the you start, know i'm just yeah. a kid well i wasn't a kid but yeah, i, I yeah, didn't yeah. know anything about it and there's this corporation big corporation and uh uh you know it'd be really easy for them to intimidate and giving it up and, and you know i think i think that stuff goes on all the time right now you know right. and people start businesses and some huge corporation comes in and says you're violating some copyright or whatever. And I, you know, a lot of people I think give up just because it seems overwhelming.
2: Right, well, it's like stepping into the unknown a little yeah. bit. you know, yeah. if you're not familiar with that right. situation, that makes it.
0: Well, and they had a lot more money than I did too. Right, and, and uh, they could last a lot longer. Yeah, you know, and It's like I said, they're well established. It's real intimidating that they just come right at you like that. Exactly. You right. know, they got a whole law firm and you know, yeah, there's two or three lawyers working behind on them. them. Right. right. Yeah. You know,
2: that's super interesting.
0: So, so that was definitely a big step. Um, so after business was kind of like running for a while, I'm mm-hmm. like successful per se. Right. Was there any like crazy like roadblocks that came unexpectedly, like a recession in 2008? Was well, that there expected? was
1: a it was in fact a recession in uh, 1989. In fact, uh, um, I'm not actually I'm not quite sure of the year, but we were uh, we were thinking about. Uh, Moving because we were really jam packed in the building we were in. The building that, we're in, that we were in then is was only um, uh, 2,600 square feet. Uh, it's just about That's the, the size big. of an average house. Right. And we were jammed in there. We probably had eight or nine employees and all that equipment. You can imagine how crowded it would be. Yeah. And uh, so we started to look for um, other locations to rent. You know, because we were renting at the time, and then we uh, I, we got thinking about there was some land available out in Fitchburg, and really by that time the business had gotten away from the retail. Remember, what I mentioned earlier that um, a lot of people didn't have office copiers, and so they were all coming in. Right. Well, by that time, you know, um, the um, Market kind most of people had most people had co- office copiers, so the retail part of the business had gone away. Sure. And so what you really get is people coming in and want a copy of this, and copy like you see at Quick Trip. It's like quick business, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't want to, We didn't want that business, and uh, so we decided to move somewhere that had no walk walk up traffic. You know, you weren't in a, we weren't in an obvious retail spot, um, so people. We really didn't want those those kind of. It's not that we didn't want walk in customers, but we didn't want, want those walk in, copy customers. Yeah. So we moved out where we located now is actually kind of on the edge of the, you know, Madison metropolitan areas in Fitchburg. It's actually developed quite a bit since we moved out there, but we were kind of out in the, the, uh, the perimeter, but we were actually, uh, uh, ended up being quite close to one of our largest customers. So, um, but, but it's funny that you mentioned the recession because we, we had, um, uh, Decided to go ahead with the building, and we had plans drawn up. And then a recession came, and we we kind of wait. We said, well, "Well, let's wait and see how long this is going to last." Well, it lasted seven, eight months, maybe a year. Well, we hadn't even started the building, and then the business just took off again. And then we were really jammed in there.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, so we, you know, got started on the building, and that I think that took it maybe ten months to build. Mm-hmm. And uh, we moved from twenty-six hundred to uh, about 6,500 square feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that's the current yeah. building you're in. That's the current building in which yeah. we actually we moved there in 94, and then yeah. we added another 3,000 square feet in,
0: in 97. Okay, for sure. I, I actually, the whole time of 25 years of with you, I never even knew you guys built that building. Yeah. I thought you guys just bought that building. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we designed it. Or I had an architect design it and built it, yeah. That was a good decision buying the building? Absolutely. It
1: was probably, this, you know, after starting the business, that was the uh, second best decision I've ever made. Instead of paying rent your whole life. Well, right. You know, it was expensive, uh, to build that building. Um, fortunately we were able to, you know, make the mortgage payments, etc., because the business was still growing and doing well. And, and we paid that building off. Um, I think in 2014 or so, so about 20 years. Sure. And so now we pay ourselves rent and we own that building and the value of that's gone up quite a bit. It's in a high traffic area. so, So it's actually a very good, the building itself is a very good investment
0: besides the business, yeah, right. Because yeah. right. eventually, maybe down the road, you can get rid of the business and still sit in the building. All right. right, right. That's exactly what we plan right. on doing. As the city is starts renting growing, renting out, the, yeah, yeah, just run out the building and then let somebody else run the business. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. or move the business and just rent it. I think actually, we don't really need to be there, you know, in, in that high traffic. I think that the, there might be a higher use for that building than what we're using it for, and you might yeah. actually be able to get more rent out of a tenant and then move
2: somewhere just move back less, to that house case move yeah. someplace
0: that's less expensive yeah right yeah would you say most of your business right now is um like customers you've been doing business with for a lot of years or do you still get a lot of new people oh you get new customers customers. Yeah. C- customers
1: come and go you know yeah. you're always you know you, you do your best at retention but sell um, more than you lose yeah you know um i like to say you know you're one person away from from losing an account just because your main contact might leave or quit and um um, and the person that replaced them, their brother-in-law owns a printing business and you're out the door. Right. right? Yeah. Or, or because of technology, um, uh, we had a large customer leave la- uh, earlier this year, and they were uh, selling a pharmaceutical product, uh, over-the-counter product that, um, that was really selling really well. And in the, in the uh, package, there was these little inserts, and we printed those for them and it was a very good account, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but um, they decided to change their packaging so the information was on the packaging itself, not inserted in the package. So overnight, through and no, I would say
0: just like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So no, no problems whatsoever. But the, all of a sudden, the account's gone.
0: Unless you got to plan for that, all that kind of stuff too. Right. Yeah. Well,
1: you, that's why you got to keep growing because right. uh, if you're not growing, I mean, it's a worn-out cliche. But if you're not growing, you're dying because yeah, uh, you, never you never have know. to you be ready
0: for you can't be complacent with where you're at. You no, always right. Always got to be selling. Yeah.
1: Right. You know, it's a matter of uh, you know. I mentioned earlier, and I think this is a good thing for really any businesses. You know, we always try to have not only a relationship at any given contact with the main person, but we also try to find out who that person's backup person is. Mm-hmm. You know, especially like if they go on vacation or something, that's an opportunity to interact with their backup. They're building
2: their relationship. Build that
1: relationship. All yeah. of a sudden, your contact leaves. Well, that you're still good. person's person backfilling. You already have a good they relationship. They already know. At least they know who you are, and and. Uh, you didn't really, um, uh, you know, you didn't treat them you know, like neglect, right, right? Right, treat them indifferently when they were filling in. In right. fact, you, you know, treat them like a VIP, they were in people, remember that, right?
0: Right, right for sure. Yeah. And they're probably not going to take their business elsewhere because they'd probably got a lot on their plate already, right. So, they're just going to be like, I'm just going to stick with the same vendor, I have a well, relationship with these guys. It's safer if you think yeah, about yeah, it. Time. You, know, yeah. you know,
1: the person you used to work for trusted them. You've got to, if you're taking over a new position. You, you got worry. enough other things to worry about, right? right? Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So I guess the one theme that I see is um, just how like technology has changed and how it changes the markets and even like the nature of your own business. I guess like, what do you feel like the importance is on staying on top of like the newest and latest technology?
1: Well, it certainly is very important. You know, uh, the business has changed. I would say the first, you know I've been in this business. Uh, 41 years. And um, uh, I would say for the first, um, probably 25 to 30, it didn't change at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, uh, computers became more popular. The Mac computer really changed our business a lot because people could start doing their own designing work. Yeah. And, uh, And we could also do that work for them. Now, so hiring a new
0: sector of your business
2: right exactly part of it exactly yeah. because
1: really up until that point that's a good point up until that point customers typically would provide all, everything that we'd print mm-hmm. they would either do it in-house or use an ad agency yeah and then we would just get the materials and we would do the take the printing from there now we do you know probably for 25 percent of our customers we do all their start to the finish, finish kind of thing yeah yeah. yeah yeah okay and then um you know uh I would say the surprisingly the biggest thing that had the impact upon our business uh, was a PDF, mm-hmm. and, and really that's because we used to run um, anywhere from uh, half a million to three quarter million copies a month on a, mm-hmm. on black uh, copy machines, and I'm talking copy machines that are. As big as as long as a car, yeah, and you know, and cost a quarter million dollars, right? Because every if you think about everything now that you use for a PDF, you know, people the, the whoever was selling a product, they would have to print, all, print all, out all the, the literature, right? Right, yeah, yeah, and that's really what, a lot of the work we did was that kind of work, right? And then I was I think with PDF and then especially with the internet, I mean, with the people having email and everybody having web access, they'd stop printing that stuff and they'd right. say. You can get the information online at this site, and there'd be PDFs there. So
2: that, that really had a big impact on it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Changed like, interesting. Yeah, the type of services you provided. Right, yeah.
0: yeah. Right. And it's interesting how you said that it has not change for 25 to 30 years and all something like that. Right. You're just changing overnight, exactly. and technology's taking off. Right. What would you say to someone that came to you and told you that they were thinking about starting their own printing business in
1: 2018? Well, um, you know, business... Uh, couple things one is right now uh, the printing business is a mixture of older technology which is offset printing that's using ink Mm -hmm. and then uh, the newer technology which is laser and inkjet Mm -hmm. and uh, if I were starting this business now I would stick I wouldn't get into the offset business I would stick to the digital way of of producing things it's a cleaner technology Um, it's a it's an on-off thing um, it doesn't take uh, quite the skill level of running a press, although um, uh, it certainly takes skill, but it takes different types of skills. Right. Um, and uh, it's important to be flexible. Um, and um, I think uh, be, just keeping up on the technology and making sure that technology that you invest in is going to be good for you know, five years um because really you know, most of the equipment now that's about the shelf life of the equipment years ago you could you could buy a printing press run it for years 20 30 years right. you know i have one now that you know our main press is i think uh 12 or 14 years old mm-hmm. you know and um uh, but all the other equipment is probably 5 or 7 years old at most because um the digital equipment becomes outdated so quickly because of technology. Mm -hmm. So you really, you know, you might buy or lease that equipment for, Three or four years, and then the new you're going to get something out. new, right? Because you got to keep uh, up on that, right? And what typically happens is the older technology one becomes too expensive to operate because everyone's always trying to figure out how to make things run less expensively, right? Yeah. And the quality is, is exponentially better, right? So it's yeah. two ways to keep up on. So if you were going to start this business, you know, you're going to first of all, you're going to have to have pretty deep pockets to invest to get started, and. Um, and you're going to have to be ready,
0: stay on your toes. You know? yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, the new changes in technology yeah. come pretty quick. Be so aware of it, right? Right. Yeah. What about like um, the printing market on like a bigger picture scale? You've seen it go from like grow, 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 and then it, the market kind of become like stagnant at all? It's or? become
1: stagnant yeah. somewhat, and it's become segmented uh, in the sense that um, there are people like our type of business, which is really very quick turnaround, and uh, most of the customers have like their own design departments or Mm -hmm. um, a marketing department and but we really specialize on things that they really need quickly Mm -hmm. and uh, quick turnaround and um, convenience you know and then there's another uh, segment of printing which is really where the market broke apart, and these are printers that they not only do printing, but they also call, they'll be like a brand specialist or marketing service providers, where they have a lot more depth in designing and marketing people working for them. Mm-hmm. And so they, they go out to these companies and they not only provide the print tech, uh, services, but they also, what comes ahead of that, and that is the marketing and the branding. And so- Trying um, to be like a one-stop shop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, most of their business is not actually, or I should say, most of their sales is not actually uh, uh, putting something on paper or on posters, you know, ink or inkjet or whatever. It's uh, the branding and the marketing services.
2: So yeah. it's like a it's like an upsell on their yeah. like value chain. Like right. their foot in the door offer is actually the marketing and branding. It just happens to be. That the printing and everything comes along with it, right,
1: right. So then they all, and
2: then most of them, you know, they started out as printers and
1: then added that element to the. But that's really not our niche. We're more, we service more small and medium companies, whereas okay. that the, the other type of printer I described. They're after large corporations, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, right. and five, and five, Fortune five, five, Fortune five hundred. They're basically
0: going to run their marketing start to finish. Right, yeah, it's long term. Talking about quad graphics, yeah, stuff oh, like that. A a wild, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, There's a one in Wanakee uh, called
1: Subtle yeah. Press. They're really big into that. Okay, but you know, um, it's really they're not really interested in the customers that I have. And I really can't provide the services that their customers want because it's just a it's just a different, it's not a different level of business. It's it's a different business. It's yeah. Just like a,
2: yeah, it's like special specialization. I feel like that's the way that a lot of business is moving now. Right. Like when you look at even like Apple, how, you know, they're kind of taking over a market just focusing on like laptops, desktops, right. or do a certain cooler things, things. Well, it's a niche business. Yeah, no yeah. doubt about it. And then
1: you know, they they have uh, the most important asset they have is their brand name Mm -hmm. you know and what what can they come up with to attach that name to it you know if you think about if you that's really the ideal business to be in is is to be where the name of your business has more value than 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 what you're right right. yeah, that yeah. would be one. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, name another brand of soup besides Campbell's. Right, right. You yeah. know, exactly. That's, that's the kind of thing that you're, you know. It's just like the, the market dominance. Imagine the market yeah. share that they have. I mean, it's 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 probably 70 or 80 percent. Yeah. Right. So, you think of soup, yeah, it's the first thing you think right. of. And there may very well be better. In fact, I'm sure you can probably buy better canned soup. Yeah. But when people just go, the average. Family goes in the store to buy soup. You can bet they're going to come home with Campbell's soup. Yeah, it's just like no. branded as like an exactly. icon right. yeah. in so, their industry. You know, the the premium you can charge for that, you know, is really what makes Apple, for instance, just a huge profitable company. Amazon yeah. would be a good enough. You know, yeah. you can use the word Amazon in any company in almost any age group, and all you have to say is Amazon, and they don't think about the river anymore. No. Right. Oh, right, right, right. No, yeah, yeah. Right.
0: You know exactly what you're talking about. Right. I, I remember as a kid, you were buying books on Amazon before right. it was even like a big thing. Right. And it's right. just letting it evolve
2: like that. That's insane. Yeah, making the right. Started
1: out selling hardcover books.
2: Yeah. Right. That's awesome. So I guess another thing that um, switching gears a little bit, another thing that. I realize it's somewhat of a theme just on how you were saying initially if you know that your first uh, when you first started working in the printing industry for one of the owners you really enjoyed working for him and you right. said that you'd probably like work for him, you would have continued working right. for him if he would have stayed in the business right. how I guess now from you switching from working into you know owning and running a business mm-hmm. how do you feel about the importance of like Hiring and firing and like the philosophy you go about and like creating a team right. in your own business
1: Well, you know um, I've always believed if if if, if uh, someone's only working for you then for the money It's not a good fit for either one of you, mm-hmm. right? You know what? I mean, that's right. I mean I, It's important to pay people well um, But if 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 their motivation to come to work is, is not I like working there I'm the kind of person that really prefers and, and is not happy unless I'm doing a good job. Um, and I understand the, the nature of uh, getting along with my fellow employees. I understand the nature of customer expectations and, uh, and uh, doing, being part of a team. Uh, then, that, then that person has chosen a good place to work and I've chosen the right employee. And, I, and I'm only to pay for that. But again, um, if, if it's only a paycheck, that's really all you're going to get out of that person is the bare minimum.
0: Right. Is going to do the bare yeah. minimum for 40 hours a week just to collect that paycheck right, and go home. Right, you
1: know. And so it's a matter of, you know, I, I think that, you know, if if I if uh, an employee, if the best thing I could hear from an employee is to say I like coming here to work, yeah. Right. Then I, I'm doing something right. And, mm-hmm. and if they're not happy one of us is, is not doing something
0: right. Right, right. right. And it's important to open up that line of communication right. and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: you know, I have a lot of long-term employees, and when we hire somebody new, usually probably within 30 or 60 days, I know if it's a good fit, not because I'm following them around and watching what they do and checking up on them, because the other employees tell me. Yeah, right. exactly, yeah. exactly. And, uh, if the other employees don't think that that person is really uh, up to the, the, the things I described, they're going to let me know. Yeah. And, and, and uh, sometimes, you know, maybe they're just in the wrong position within the company. Yeah. So you sure. might try, you know, maybe if you try doing this, you'd be, you know, a better fit. But then it just becomes obvious that it's not a good fit for either one.
0: Has there been times where you thought that someone wasn't a good fit and then you've heard that from employees and then you've sat down and just opened up discussion with that person and then put them in a different department and they were satisfied a little there bit? There was. Uh, I can think of one particular employee Uh, one in particular actually the
1: interesting thing about this employee is was was one of the worst um, uh, employment interviews I've ever had (laughs) this person just did horribly right um and uh and I and I think in most circumstances uh um you, you won't have hired her but it was me and the general manager um interviewed her and and even though she left and and we, we, we kind of looked at each other. And, well, that just looked hor- went horrible, you know. And, and but we thought about it. And we thought, you know, I don't. I just don't think that. I think she was just really nervous. Yeah. Yeah. So she came in. We did decide to hire her, and yeah. she came in and, and was absolutely a great employee. Yeah. But after about oh, four or five years, her performance started to fall down, and we talked to her a little bit and. We, we thought well, we'll, we'll put you somewhere else and, and she ended up working there for another four or five years Yeah. so I mean she was a 10 year employee but then you know she, she
0: decided at some point she wanted to do something you know. yeah at that point people just the mindset changes of what your yeah, goals are and stuff like that
1: you know um, I guess one thing I learned from that was is that you know you have to pay really close to an interview because, you're, you know, you might not be getting the full story.
0: Right. And people's and emotionally nervousness drives a lot of what's going on in that interview a exactly. lot of the time too. And some yeah. people aren't good at adjusting to right. that, you know, Right. and then you get them one-on-one like, man, this is night and day of what was going on before. Right. right. Exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: You know, and that works both ways too. I've, i certainly have interviewed people that I thought this person is going to be a star and, and they were there 10. Days. Oh, absolutely. They were there yeah. 10 yeah.
0: days. And I thought, they're gonna make it. man. Yep. That's interesting. What's your uh, what's your life philosophy on like um, successful management, like letting people do their thing, obviously, and trust, well, putting I, trust in departments. You know, I, I'm a, a, a big believer that
1: people work independently. We, we really, we you know, we have a, a general man for you know, we have about 15 employees now. We have a general manager, and then we have someone that kind of leads in in uh, in, the, in the in the production area. But people, uh, uh, 95% of the time, are working unsupervised. Yeah. Uh, I'm not big on, on uh, supervision. Um, it, like I said, the, if someone's not cutting it, the other employees will tell you that. Right, because it's affecting their work probably too. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, and then um, uh, uh,
0: I'm not a big believer in meetings. <laughs> right on. Right. Never hold team meetings or anything like no. that? No. <laughs> uh, uh
1: i i think most meetings are best held standing up when yeah. there's nobody sitting down yeah really? then you're not it doesn't turn into a bit session yeah because people go oh here's a, here's my here's my opportunity to sit and again and in the right yeah, Here's my chance just to tell you about the worst customer experience i had you know yeah, in the last right. week exactly uh people if people standing up well then they tend to want the meeting to end
2: yeah, right. that's true. Right. That's true. Because right. they want to just get back to work. Important things.
0: Yeah. You yeah. like a, you think you do like a lot more like micro meetings and smaller like two or three people segments versus absolutely, like 18. absolutely.
1: But more than often they're just casual conversations that last maybe five or ten minutes. Right. It's rare to have a you know a sit
0: down, a uh, half hour meeting. Yeah. You know. Have you ever had a meeting where you had every employee in one spot and talked to, in front of everyone? Um back when you had 22 employees no I I never we never really
1: did you know when I think about it 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 may seem odd but we really never had um, large a a large meeting like that yeah
0: just kind of like you said it's a chance for everyone to sit down and well it's a very unproductive moment too at that point yeah
1: well I think also too is that if if the lines of communication are always open both ways that eliminates the need for that type of Thing. Because people know I can go ask anybody, ask, you know, management any question I want at any time. It doesn't have to be before I start work. wait until this Friday meeting right. to
0: bring up my concerns. Right. And you'd want that anyway because if they have concerns that's affecting their job, they're not being as productive and you'd want right. them to have that open mind anyway. Right, and you wanted to have my right now. Like right, right right now, not later. later.
1: Not yeah. like you say, oh, I'll I have to wait till Friday at, yeah, yeah. at 9 because that's when, that's when I get a chance to talk. Well, right, right. Yeah.
0: And you, were, you were small enough, you were in a huge corporation where you were in tune with everything that was going on too and no. the general manager was meeting with people on a daily basis.
1: Well, you know, there was there's the older uh, management philosophy and there's a million of them, you know, but one of them was management by walking around mm-hmm. and that is that you don't spend all your time just sitting in your office, right. playing office, mm-hmm. but you're out you know, make it a point at least once an hour, get up, walk through the whole shop, you don't necessarily have to talk to everybody, but, but they see you. But be open, and if they have a question, then they can come to you. And they know that you're probably going to be by in the next couple of hours or whatever, you know. Yeah. And just make that a habit of just management by walking around Yeah. so that— uh, and you'd be surprised because then people are always comfortable to, you know, to come up and ask you either a simple question about a particular job or a much larger global question about, you know, what's you're thinking about this, what are we going to do in this area? Right. And, and, and you don't, well, let's, let's schedule a meeting and let's, you know, have who's going to be there and who's not. Right. You know, I'd rather just have that conversation right there. Right if there, someone yeah. else needs to be in that conversation, bring them, on bring right. them in
0: and right. let's just do it. Let's do it. We're standing up. Right. Right. So what do you think, uh, we've kind of touched on everything within the business or a lot of it, you know, what do you, what do you think, uh, where do you see the business in the next five years for yourself?
1: Well, um, I think, uh, probably sometime in the next five years, Liz and I will either sell the business. So, you know, well, more than likely we would sell the business. Um, I'm ready to to let it go. Uh, Liz, uh, my wife likes to go to work. She can't stop for those that are listening. Liz can't stop. She, she likes to go to work, I think. And, uh, and if you like to go to work and you own a business, you're probably not going to want to sell it because right. all of a sudden you're now you're working for somebody else after all these years. And, yeah. Um, so um, I think probably in the, within five years and, and maybe much sooner, yeah, well we'll make the transition. The transition. Sit right. on the building. Yeah. Yeah. Rent the building out, um, or you know, if if someone buys the business and wants to run it in place, then you know, we'll rent it to them. Right. Yeah.
0: So I guess uh, to kind of wrap things up, if we talked a very broad sense on not even so much in the printing industry, but from someone that's a young entrepreneur, what kind of advice would you give them in terms of like mindset of like running a business and like, you know, the struggles that come along with that and the reward that comes along with that too?
1: Well, I think that, uh, if you're going to start a business, you need to know your market. I think a lot of people think, um, well, I, I think a good example is there's when this business was going fast, there were uh, uh, printing businesses were started by two two types of people. They were started by press operators who thought they could run a business, mm-hmm. and they were started by business people that could run any business but thought printing was a good one. And as you can imagine, the people that were business people typically did better than someone who could run a press and then thought they could run a business. Right, sure. So it's not so much about what business you want to go into, but, but having an understanding of how business works. And the number one thing is, is to know, going starting out, who are your customers and what and touching on something we talked about earlier. Are they, why are they going to be attracted to do business with you?
0: Right. What's going to differentiate you from right. everyone else? Right. Like, what pain points are you fixing? Yeah. Right. Exactly. What would you say differentiated you from your business you used to work for? Um, why, why your customers came to you was it your relationship with the uh, absolutely?
1: Yeah. It's the relationship, relationship piece. piece. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not really a salesperson, but I could talk to anybody, right. and uh, and I think I'm good at putting people at ease. Mhm um as you talked about earlier you mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago a lot of, a lot of business is solving somebody's problem
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I think that people had confidence in me that I could sol- solve their problem and that is get that printing project off their desk yeah and and uh, and uh, it's important to be reliable you know to deliver what you promise yeah and, absolutely. and you have to do that from day one um, if, if you want
2: to uh, get repeat business
1: absolutely
2: yeah build that trust i Go guess right. what's uh what's your philosophy on like self-development are you obviously i think jeff said that's you're big into reading and, uh, yeah
1: i like to read um trivia wizard yeah <laughs> um i like, enjoy playing trivia um, um crossword puzzles um um, I watch, I listen to public radio pretty much all day, every day, and I think I've, I've learned, you know, a lot just by always, you know, having that on in the background. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different types of programs on there, right. and uh, you pick up a lot of uh, not only information, news information, but also philosophical information. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to stay up. Uh, to speed on tech- the technology, of the business you're into, so I spend time on that, knowing you know where the business is going. So, mm-hmm. like
2: podcasts around the business, literally? no,
1: it's uh, more reading, and oh, uh, right. I belong to uh, what's called a list server where there's other people of similar business or that people uh, post messages and, and kind of like know. a forum. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Right. I've been doing that for since uh, mid '90s, since really since people started emailing, really. Yeah. And um, you know, I think it's important when you get up every day that have something that you already have something planned to do. Right. Always. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Have a plan. It doesn't have to be something usually productive, but at least you know, get up and go. This is what I'm set out to do today. Like
2: have an agenda. Yeah. Right. right.
0: Plan tomorrow today. Yeah, that's yeah, that that's too. what I'm
2: big on. Definitely trying to get this bit like marketing business off the ground. I, Definitely have to have a game plan going in the next day. Yeah. already said just to be like most efficient with my time. and Right. Absolutely. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. I guess, yeah, any other, uh, like, is there any like life hacks or any like, like, uh, I guess, how would you say it? Any tools that you use to like be more productive in your workday? Well, again, I think it goes back to having a plan
1: about, what you're going to do. There's a saying that, you know, don't let what's uh, urgent um, take over what's more important. And that is, you know, it'd be easy to take care of busy work of the little things that maybe you like doing. Mm -hmm. And it's real easy to start treating everything as urgent. And then all of a sudden you're neglecting what's important. And what's important is looking forward. Developing the business. Planning ahead. Uh, but instead, a mistake can be made to, well, I gotta work on this job right now for this customer, and then I'm gonna do this one and this one. Well, that's not growing the business. It's important to take care of those customers, but someone has to be the big thinker. Right. And, sure. and if you are that person, that's what you need to spend your time doing. Right. Yeah. You know?
0: I agree with that completely. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I appreciate all the input on this. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, thanks for joining for, yeah, us, Dad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, maybe revisit at some point in the time and talk on some other things, but I think we gave a lot of good knowledge and insight to the viewers. And Great. Uh, kind of how to start and successfully run a printing business. Well, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Right, absolutely. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for tuning in.